0: Welcome to The Creator Hub. My name is Lloyd and every single week, we share content to help you level up on your journey as a creator. Today, I connected with my friend Kashif. He's an award-winning director, writer, and producer. Kashif runs a media company called Dunya Media. I actually met Kashif because I thought the content he posted on TikTok was so inspiring. And then one day, He just happened to post a video telling everyone that he had a film screening in LA for a film that he wrote, so I DMed him and told him I was going to show up. Since then, we've just been friends and kept in touch. I was so excited that he agreed to join me on my podcast. We spoke about the similarities in creating a film and being a social creator. I know you'll enjoy this episode. In just a moment, we'll dive right in. The number one question I get the most is how do I make money from my podcast? The second question I get the most is how do I record a video podcast virtually? And I always tell people what works for me. What if I told you that there was a tool that would allow you to effortlessly record and edit your podcast all while using AI? Riverside is a podcast recording platform that will even let you edit your podcast using the transcript of your podcast so you literally don't have to be an audio expert to edit your podcast. I have a 15% off discount code for you to see for yourself. You can check out the show notes to find the link. Recording a podcast virtually has never been this easy. If you've been following my content for a while now, you know that I only have one piece of advice for aspiring creators. Just start. Like, literally, now. Well, once you get started and you get going, you'll reach a point where the next logical step is investing in your business. This may be equipment or a course or even traveling to create some content. The only challenge is funding from banks is so challenging, especially as creators. This is where Juice Club saves today. Juice Club is a super cool, members only community designed to help creators like you and me take our businesses to the next level. One of the many perks they provide is short-term, flexible funding on your terms. There are different funding options for creators at different stages, and you always stay in total control of your content. I'm dropping a link in the show notes. Please check them out. I decided that like going forward, I'm gonna do podcast introductions differently. Instead of doing like this long bio that feels very formal, I am gonna introduce people based on their social media bios. Like how fitting is that considering that we are like the Creator Hub? And so today our guest, this is his bio. I asked him if he preferred TikTok and Instagram. TikTok is what he said, so here we go. Film and TV director, co-founder at danya.ca and muslimsinmedia.org. Please help me welcome Kashif Pasta to the podcast. How are you today? Hey, thank you. Good. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I've been a fan of your content. Honestly, I feel like I know you. I appreciate it. Literally, that. just from your content. Uh, and so I'm super excited to to be chatting today. I want to break down your bio a bit. I know that you're like a film and TV director, but tell me how you got into that.
1: Yeah, oh man. I'm, I'm one of those people who... uh Who, sorry, I was just tripping out being inside the TikTok right now because that's throwing me off. I'm like, it's it's really great to be here. And I feel like I know you too. I'm like, I'm on the podcast of the podcast. This is the the person. Uh, So it's exciting to be here. Um, For getting into film, yeah, I am one of those people who like started really young, like kind of gathering my toys together, making little stop motion videos. I think for me, like as a little kid, I thought all movies and TV shows were real. When I was like three, four years old, I didn't, I just, I I didn't know. And so took watching Saved by the Bell with my older sisters. And they're like, no, these aren't real kids in real high school. Like, you know, they're pretending. And it just blew my mind. And I was like, but why? Like, that's their job. They're they're tricking people to just what make them happy. And I was like, I want that to be my job. And kind of never got over that phase. Yeah. Uh, Even when things got a little more serious, like my birthday is September 11th, genuinely. So on my 10th birthday kind of big world changing events. Yeah. And, and for me like that was a key inflection point of seeing like media and images kind of turned against me. And it was this thing I really loved. I love movies. I love TV. And then seeing like uh, the news and the repeated imagery and like racist stereotypes increase through my teenage years and being like, Oh, this actually has like a really serious impact as well. Yeah. Um, and then kind of seeing yeah, the dichotomy of both, like really loving the kind of joy and fun of it and then seeing the serious side of it. And and having a life that's full of, you know, all these different stories about me in a sense and wanting to just kind of tell my own. And so I yeah. think, you know, gathering friends together in high school and making shorts and making film festivals and kind of just never really got over the the phase of having a really fun time making our own stories together.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things I think is like interesting about the talk is like you you meet people, right? And you sort of get like this lens into their life, right? And yeah. so you, you think, you assume that like because they're posting so much content that you like know them. And then you start yeah. to think you know everything about them. But what I've started to notice is that most people are being, well, not most people, a lot of people, in this case, you are just very, very... Reserved, and I think they downplay how important they are. You <laughs> are the co founder of Dunya, and if I'm not mistaken, you guys worked with Hassan Minaj on like the Homecoming King,
1: right? right on, on the Vancouver side of it, yeah, yeah. on the live tour, yeah, yeah. dude. Tell me yeah. about that. How was that? Exciting, yeah. So, Dunya is a production company I started in 2015 2016. Um, when I was you know I was on this journey of like I really wanted to direct films, I really wanted to tell stories that you know I center people who are normally marginalized. And so I care about representation, but I really care about who's centered in the stories and and really want to help, you know, people change how they see the world and their place in it. And it sounds really lofty, but really like through stories that have a sense of joy and wonder and fun, because a lot of times, especially for like, stories by or for people of color, it's like all trauma based and wanting to be like, no, but I like, can you be Muslim and happy at the same time? Is it possible? Like, yeah, yeah, I think I've, I've lived it. Um, and wanting to tell stories more from our point of view. And so, um, so I was working in the industry, started out as a video editor, really love uh, that, but it wasn't quite directing Shifted into feature visual effects it was great, but it wasn't, you know, it was making heroic white dude movies. And every couple of years, like a Fast and Furious would come through the studio and we'd get Tyrese on screen be like, there's some melanin. Right, That's right. about it. That was like the <laughs> stent of the diversity. Um, and so when I quit that job to well, actually, I took a sabbatical. I said I might come back. Right, right. And then I was like, I was in Vancouver at the time and I was like, let me just go far or as far as I can on this trip. So I went to New York and on that trip, I uh saw that Hassan Minaj, who was at the time just on The Daily Show, he was like branching out and doing this one-man show uh, off-Broadway, and I was like, I don't know, it's like Brown Comics, probably gonna be disappointing, but you gotta be, you gotta support, you gotta be down for the yeah. cost, went and saw it, and Homecoming King was a show that did center us, in it. and it was for everyone, but again, just that slight recentering of things like you know, when he'd make a cultural reference, he'd make the reference first and then he'd explain it or he'd say something in Hindi, then he'd translate or sometimes he wouldn't necessarily translate. And you're like, oh, is this what it feels like to be spoken to? Directly? Right. And so at the time, it's funny because he was just starting out on that stuff. And I think I wrote a review of it. I got really obsessed. I wrote a review of it on Medium. Mm And I think it was like his first positive review or like one of the first few or at least one of the first few that was from someone who was from the same background. Yep. And so he had seen that. So we connected a little bit over that. And then, yeah, started to once I started the production company, um, because I was like, I think this is the time to do it. um, In addition to making film content and film media, we we started to do some live events as well. And so did his, yeah, his tour in Vancouver in 2017 and 2021, for King's Jester, which was post Netflix and very different. Yeah. Uh, very different level of awareness and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: Dude, I, I love that, man. And I, I think I, I'm so excited because I feel like there's a lot of dimensions to you. And I think there's a lot that I want to talk about today. <laughs> um, I found the first video that I saw on TikTok. Yeah. The, like the moment. I saw this. This is the video I saw when I followed you, and I want to play Ooh, just like a okay. small so like chunk of it. Okay, uh, just to get your thoughts. Um, okay, I'm so, so curious what uh, what gets the attention.
1: So I direct uh, movies and like commercials as a job, which that's made up. Like 14 year old me is like, wow. Professional filmmakers don't use TikTok because, to be honest, they act like they're better than it. But I think we're just scared because we don't know how to like use the app and that's me too because i don't i don't know how to do this i don't i don't have a cinematographer with me if i'm doing this i'm already embarrassed
0: i'm gonna play the whole video in this post but i do want to like reference that video and i do think that like i hadn't personally seen a lot of people that were in like the filmmaker role Mm -hmm. on tiktok and just being transparent about the journey until i saw your content and so i want to ask like what led you to go from being someone that's like an actual creator, like a film creator, to now being like creating content on TikTok, highlighting your journey.
1: Yeah, that's so cool to hear, man. Because like that video, was—it's always happens where like the one that's the throwaway, like this isn't going to get anything. But then I did a proper one and the proper one will do all. (laughs) So that was the one where I was like, I want to talk about this, but I have like a minute before I get into my apartment and I cannot have my wife see me film a TikTok. (laughs) Not now, not like this. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because like I came up, like when I first started making shorts, it was like just about the year, year before YouTube started. So like I've been very aware and very much of like part of the creator movement in a sense. Yep. Sometimes from afar, like not not really ever being like a YouTuber per se. Uh, first video I ever – I have a three-letter YouTube name from like 2005 and like first yeah. video I ever uploaded – was a game trailer I had like downloaded and then re-uploaded to see how it worked and it got like a million views. And wow. it never occurred to me that gaming content would be big on YouTube. I just went, that's crazy and right. moved on. Right. So for me, like have been very aware of it and and I think at a certain point like I realized in the last couple of years that actually we're using certain words really interchangeably that aren't hundred percent the same thing. So like for example, filmmaker, there's a lot of filmmakers on YouTube who are doing a lot of like camera reviews and a lot of maybe technical content and stuff like that. Or they're doing a lot of maybe, um, you know, like sports type content. Um, and not to say they're not filmmakers, they totally are, but it's actually kind of a different industry than maybe yeah. like the traditional film industry. And a certain point within the last couple of years, I think it was, <laughs> I had to research cameras and I hate researching cameras. I hate going through all these technical like comparisons. Yeah. And stuff. And there's one of these channels that was like a multi-million subscriber channel of filmmaking And he had this video amongst all the camera reviews that was him visiting a film set. And he was really fascinated with all the jobs. And I was like, but wait, but he's a filmmaker. Is he not familiar? Like this is a very normal set. And I was like, Oh, there's different types. Mm. And we're all saying filmmaker, director, editor, whatever, but it's actually a very different thing. And I was like, Oh, there aren't really that many people in the traditional film industry that are doing that type of content. My favorite one probably is um, David Sandberg, who, Mm. Um, you know, did a lot of YouTube horror shorts and would do a lot of behind the scenes and then yeah. grew into making some like, longer films and then now directed the Shazam movies. Wow. So, and he still does YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, Kind of inconsistently, but does them and they're really great. And so like, there's really not that much insight. And so, yeah, that video is from around when reels started and like Re- Instagram of really pushing reels. And I went, everyone's really mad at this, but everyone my age or in my kind of part of the industry is not going to be doing it for a while. So this yeah. is a chance to learn and kind of like, You see what it's all about because it's going to be the way of the future. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that, and I mean, do you have you found that to be true? Have you found that there have actually like what's been the experience with you getting on TikTok?
1: I mean, I'm on the show. Like this is right, right? (laughs) Like this is a very real outcome of it which is crazy like to me that's literally me walking from my car to my elevator yeah right in at the time in seattle right, right? And actually right. neither of us were living in la at the time yeah that video is out right wow completely separately we both moved here that's insane so like and that was like I'm, i walk from my car to my elevator all the time right, <laughs> right. right and so i i found that like i mean i'm still finding it really and we we've talked about this of like you know you try to be as authentic as possible, but it's also like, what slice of that do people respond to, I guess? Yeah. And and so I, I don't know the answer, but yeah, I have found that it's been really incredible, especially this new model where like the videos go out there and it's not necessarily just for your followers. Like yep. the platform finds an audience has been really cool because I think a lot of people who are in my ideal audience who are you know usually people of color who want better films or stories that don't just have them in a victimized position. Yeah. They don't necessarily know that that's what they're looking for. So there's, they're not Googling around for that. But if it can find them, then that's really exciting. And so yeah. it's, finally, like, it's a really incredible way to connect with an audience who maybe didn't even know this type of thing exists.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's like a group, like a batch of people that started on TikTok, maybe like a little like mid-pandemic to like mm-hmm. end-pandemic that I think got like a decent following. Like I put myself in like that bucket, right? Like I think my content was like literally like, as we were getting right out of the pandemic, mm. that's when I got like a lot of my followers and I felt like my content was performing well. And I think those people are having trouble with all the changes that have been made to TikTok, maybe from like an algorithm standpoint or whatever right. it may be, or maybe it's just like listener and watcher fatigue, like whatever the reason is yeah. their, their content just isn't performing as well now. And then I look at your channel, right? And it's like, yo, you have like a few videos recently that have done like really, really well, right? Like I'm like 15 19,000, like, on some of your videos. Mm. W- like, why do you think your videos perform well, like, now? Like, what specifically about your videos do you think, like, people are drawn to? Oh, I'm, I'm really not.
1: I wish I knew I'd make more of them. Because <laughs> um, I think, like, it, it looks good on the grid right now, but it's because I haven't been making that many. And I'm like, because I get worried. I'm like, well, if it only gets this many, then is it worth making? Which I know it's, it's not true. And you don't know what's going to do well. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you never know what percentage of it is TikTok trying to, like, reward me and right. be like, hey, yeah, 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 you should do more. Because, and then, you know, as soon as you do more, they're like, well, actually, they kind of play hard to get a little bit, they right? They do. They're, it's a slightly abusive relationship. So they're like, no, no, now, now you, you're you running at us? Like, we're going to slow down. <laughs> right. But if I only come on every month or two, they're like, yeah, yeah, we want you. But I don't know. So there might be some percentage of that. Right. Um. But when things do work, and and to me, yeah, like that 15,000 zone is, like, amazing. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. like, the multi-million, but I don't think that's that's my zone anyways. Yep. Um, I think the videos that work are the ones where, like, there's some level of either entertainment or information that the audience is getting. I think when it's more centered around like the value that they're getting out of it, rather than just the value of like me promoting myself. Yeah. I think people pick up on that. I think the algorithm as a result kind of picks up on that where, I mean, same thing with like the films I try to make, like for me, it's not just a way for me to like tell a story and that's all that matters. Like I want to make things that actually affect people that actually add bring something to their lives. Yeah. So I think there's like a micro version of that. And I've noticed like, obviously like those first few seconds matter a lot. And I try not to like over obsess about it, but yeah, it's interesting. Like I thought ones with more effort make more difference. But then the last one I posted, I think it may have been slightly overproduced. So yeah. then you feel it of
0: like, oh, he put in too much effort. Yeah. Do you feel like that? Because I think that like TikTok, in my opinion, like you were just saying, I think it rewards creators that are a little more rugged and that are a little less produced. And I think given that you have like a filmmaker background, yeah, how it's has top. that transition been? Yeah,
1: it's, t- I mean, well, so there's two things. One, I'm like... I guess it's like the authenticity thing. So if you can authentically do super high quality, then that also like makes you stop scrolling, right? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was kind of freeing in the sense that I thought because I'm a filmmaker, I'm a director, like I do this for work, like I've got to do like the fanciest setup, the fanciest videos possible. And like, I was just never going to get around to that basically. Yeah. Right? Like I bought the A7S and I had it ready to go. And it's just like, man, this is its whole own job to do this. And then when I was like, oh, actually, let's try something super casual. Because I was basically... I then wasn't doing any content. And yep, I'm like, yep. okay, well, that can't be the answer. If it's either super fancy or it's nothing, like I did do a few TikToks a couple of years ago that did really well. And there were more, they weren't really around film. They were just more personal, but they were really produced. Like they took a few hours to do each. Wow. And they, they each did well. And I was like, okay, but this is its own job now. And so so then I stopped doing them. And then I'm like, well, not doing it can't be the answer. So it's almost like finding that solution that works for my life. Yeah. And trying to find what's that version. Because there's a version of stop everything yep. to make content. And I'm like, well, that's not gonna happen. And not making any content can't be the answer. Yeah. Because um, I do want to connect with people. So really just finding that that mix. And then I think, yeah, like the more honest it can get, the better. But then one thing I worry about as a filmmaker is like what's honest versus what's too in the weeds. Mm. But then as an audience member, like I'll watch like farmers do really specific farming stuff. Yeah. And like it's in the weeds, but I don't know. Like I'm kind of into yeah. it. So I don't know. Like your, your monthly report card thing yep. is like amazing. Yeah. And it's such a thing where it's like, it's because again, it's storytelling, right? There was like a a character who had a goal at the beginning of the year. And then now we're getting all the, like the check-ins and the milestones and the stakes are raising. And as we get closer to December, are we hitting the number? Are we not? Like I'm kind of with you on the journey, even if not every single day, like those checks, I'm like, well, that's so exciting. And your whole thing of like inspiring creators, like it does do that because it's like, oh, look, it's been working. It's been working. I can do that. So, like, and it's a simple video. It's yeah. well produced. It's like, you know, it's like clear. It's not like super handheld, like pretending to be authentic. It is authentic in its own produced way, but like that also takes a lot of confidence to be able to be like, I'm going to say these. Yeah. Lovers. Well, like, how do you do that?
0: <laughs> and, and you know, Tony, you're the perfect person for me to ask this because I think the challenge I've been having, right, is like, I've for the last, like, I think 13 days, at least one person has said like, hey, I really like this creative report card yeah. series for the last 13 days. So that's like encouraging. And I know that like, that is like my best performing series. Yeah. The challenge is like, I literally can only do them one, once a month. And I don't know how to like, how do you take yeah. that, whatever that is, that style of content or yeah. that transparency, yeah. how could you duplicate that into like other forms of content?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cause there's like the journey of like, well, what, are, cause I would love to know the middle steps of like, as these deals are coming in. There was, I think a while ago, it might have even been like last year. There's a video where you like show the types of DMs you sent to brands or something, yeah, right? Yeah. So like seeing those steps is really cool. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, like as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, do all of that. And then if I was you, I'd be like, yeah, but my content can't just be about making the D like, yeah. but, it can, but it can be. Right, right. But also I could see how that would feel weird. Like as yeah. you individually, like there's a documentary that Morgan, ooh, what's his last name? He's the guy who did Supersize Me. He did this oh, uh, okay. yeah, documentary. yeah, yeah. And he did a documentary that was about product placement. Mm-hmm. And the whole documentary was him getting sponsorships for the documentary. Wow. So the making of the documentary is him getting the documentary funded. Right. And it's like amazing. And it's yeah. a cool way to do like an art project. But it's like, I guess, a scary process as well. Yeah. Of Like, well, all my content can't be about how to get brand deals. But I guess it can right. at the same time. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. But it'd be interesting to see all those steps.
0: Like, what yeah. were those? Yeah. Dude, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. And I think- that world lately has been like interesting enough to me because I think like, it's weird. This is like what happens. Yeah. Brands see those videos and they reach out because they see those videos. So, so it's I like, oh, I want, I, <laughs> like, I'd love to help you. Yeah. Like, let's do this. So like recently someone reaches out to me, right? And they wanted me to film these TikTok videos for them. Uh, kind of, I, like I have a few like retainers where like I do, like, it's just like seven videos a month, 10 videos a month. Yeah. So they wanted something like that. But just working with them for like a year would have doubled my goal. So it was like $98,000, right. right? So then we go through this like, negotiating period and dude, I promise you, this could have been like a movie. Like, See, this is so, what like, I mean. It's like those instances could be good. I just don't think that that's like, I, I like the entire time I was going through that, I was just thinking like, man, I can't wait till this is over so I can like explain it to people or whatever. Yeah. Like I don't know how to like package that in a way that's Documented like, yeah,
1: complete. Yeah, because that's the other thing. It's like that as an audience, I'd be so fascinated to watch that whole journey of like, this deal is about to come in. It's going to double my goal for the year. And then being able to watch it like go through or fall apart right. either way is fascinating. Right. But then again, I'm like, but is that unprofessional for the, for that yeah. to be, you know, on the brand perspective. Yep. But then I feel like there would be brands who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah we actually want to, we want to be the ones who come through right. for you. That I'm like, well, I don't want to burn the brand because you know the yeah. negotiations are usually pretty quiet. Like, yep. what part do you keep quiet versus what do you talk about? It's like it's yeah. hard to. It's figure
0: a weird out. thing to balance. Like, and yeah. that was like the reason I didn't post it was just like I I didn't want them to see it and know like how I was feeling as we're like negotiating. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But that'd be like, but That's what would break through. So it's <laughs> right. like the same
1: thing about talking about the money. Like the fact that you're doing it is amazing, but like individually, it's like how like, I can't I can't talk about this stuff. What is it? Do- but the fact that you're breaking that barrier is what yeah. it's doing so well. Yeah, because it's like you're saying what you're not allowed to say. But I mean, yeah, again, it's the same thing in film world. Like things will happen and people are like, oh, you should make like a LinkedIn post about that. I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't, there's still that invisible barrier where it's like, yeah, but I don't want to be the guy
0: yeah. to like put that out there. Yeah. Um, or to like, you know, burn that bridge necessarily. I do feel like the the creator economy to me comes off as like, yeah, we're like anti-establishment. Let's just like, yeah, we don't yeah. do it. Let's just like, if you mess up, I'm going to TikTok and I'm going to explain yeah. what
1: happened.
0: Yeah, film to me seems like, you could be blackballed. Oh, it's, it's absolutely, like
1: a... and you don't even know. You don't <laughs> even know it happened. It's like an email that yeah. happens with another person. And right, you're just like off the list. You're yeah, like, no one's calling me anymore. Yeah, um, that's yeah, so funny. Yeah, yeah. I
0: I feel like um, we we met in person because you posted a video and you were like, hey, this is sort of last minute, and they're doing a screening of my short film at mm-hmm. this specific studio. And it just so happened that that day I was like, oh, I'm totally free, Like, we should go. So like, I told my wife about it uh, and we both came and we came to the screening and we watched the short and then we it's got to meet in, in person after that. And I wanna talk a bit about like the process of creating that and where that idea even came from. But before I do that, I just wanna express to the audience How amazing your short film was! Like, not only did like my wife cry while watching it, we spoke about it. No, 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 you didn't. Uh, She had to dip out a little early, like as soon as it was over. But um, like, she cried, and then we spoke about it for like an hour on the way home, and it it just sparked a lot of conversation. And so, I just want to learn, like, where did that idea to produce that film even come from?
1: Yeah, so that short, which is called Daisy Standard Time Travel," and thank you so much for coming. Even the story behind that TikTok is ridiculous um, of just like basically being like two weeks of, I should definitely make something, but am I going to make a TikTok that's like good enough? Right. And then realizing like, Oh no, it's tomorrow. I have to just post something. And I'm right. so glad you signed. So glad you came last minute, but it's like,
0: Oh yeah.
1: The whole week I was like, no, no, it's gotta be really good. But anyways, the short film itself. Yeah. It's called "Daisy standard time travel. It's playing at festivals now. Um, it's a young father who loses his own dad um, and gets a chance to go back in time and fix their last conversation Um, but because it's Indian time travel and we're not good at time management to begin with, uh, instead of sending him back 30 days, they send him back 30 years to Mm. when his parents are new immigrants. They're his age and they're pregnant with him. So he thinks he's going to go back get all this like parenting advice, but actually he just meets a couple that's just as freaked out to have a kid as he is. So it's really about like, yeah, seeing your parents as real people for the first time. Um, And for me, it came from a couple places. One was, um, just that of like comparing stories, like, you know, you hear, or for me, like my, my parents are very much storytellers and them telling stories about their, you know, earlier years when I was a kid, those stories were like about adults. Right. So, you know, this happened, that happened when they were 23, 24, 25. And you're like, Oh, that's the oldest someone can possibly be. Right. And then you reach those ages and you're like, Oh my God. Right. (laughs) They were 23 when that happened. (laughs) They were 24 when that happened. Like they had a, they had their first kid when they were 22. Yeah. That's that's wild. It's crazy. Um, and so just starting to realize, like, they're real people in that sense is kind of crazy. Yep. Um, and then I've always just liked sci-fi and always liked it was, like, really—I grew up in a lot of British drama, British sci-fi comedy, um, where it's very grounded, and I love that idea of being able to bring something that's, like, emotionally grounded with yep. that little stardust of, of sci-fi or genre that kind of lets us step back from our reality and really yep. think about our lives. So it's weird because it's, like, a little less realistic, but to make us think about our real lives of, like— what would that be like to be able to talk to them? And what would that be like to talk to them without the baggage of being their kid or them being your parent? Because parents and kids like that's the closest relationship you can have with a human being literally shared DNA. Yeah. But also there's like a gap you can never cross because you're different generations. And when you're like immigrant first gen, there's an even bigger gap that you like grew up in different cultures. Yeah. And so it's just such a fascinating thing to me because you know, it's, it's a relationship most of us have, but it's that like that, that, Emotional asymptote that you can never like quite, you know, close that gap.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's like always so close, but never exact. Um, And it's like, you know, I, uh, when I watched the film, one of the things I thought about was the fact that my parents came, they literally came from Zimbabwe to the United States with an entire family. Yeah. Well, pretty young, like that. that's a yeah. lot, like I I just moved to a different state and it's just me and my wife, no kids, yeah. and it's yeah. intense, right? Yeah. And so you start to like put yourself and start, try and see things from their perspective. There's a, a scene in uh, the film where uh, they're dancing together and there's just like this joy and there's like this, I, I, I can't even describe it, but it's almost like you, you realize that they were an individual outside of being like a parent to you, like they're right. like, yes. a, a, a human. They're like yeah. a person. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that moment just made me smile. What was the reaction from like your parents when they saw the film? Yeah. I got to review
1: the tape because I did set up like my iPhone under their TV when they watch it for the first time. Um, And my parents are like, they don't like to show their emotion necessarily. They do and they don't. My dad's a big like poetry guy, but maybe like in the most So it, it was interesting. Like, I think I'd love to talk to them about the actual specific reaction. They really liked it. Yeah. They expressed that. I think on the uh, on the video, you notice my mom kind of like wipe a tear and then like get herself together during the credits. And my dad says, <laughs> you see him like slightly wipe a tear. And then the first thing he says is, did you get the copyright for that song? Like, do you have the license for it? So I'm like, okay, I'm glad I have it on tape because right. he clearly like felt it and then was like, okay, but you got to make sure you have the rights for that. Right. Like, you know, the label's going to get, I'm like, no, no, we, we, you know, we've got it covered. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that it was a, it was a nice time showing it to them at their house and like, which is where I made all my early films as well. Um, and then I had my oldest sister at the premiere in Toronto and we actually filmed some of it at her house, but she hadn't seen the film yet and she lost it like yeah. for her because for her, she felt like it was her childhood on screen. Yeah. And she was like, that was my." she's like that because she like, I was born in Canada, but she like moved with my parents when she was like mm. 10. So she's like, that, that was my, she, that wasn't even your childhood. That was right. my childhood. And I'm like, well, no, I also had a, ch-. this was a classic, like older sibling, young, yeah. younger sibling, like in the hallway of the movie theater. I was like, no, I, I also have memories and stuff. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so it was really interesting for my family because my siblings feel like I really made a film about my dad and I really didn't think that's what I was doing. Yeah, Like that. I think the dad in the film is very different, but it just filters in there, right? Yeah. And so it becomes this really interesting like memory that's not a memory that you get to put on screen. It's really it's really weird that way. Yeah. That you get to
0: like collectively experience it. Yeah, I felt like that was my dad too. I feel like that was like every immigrant <laughs> dad. That was everyone's dad. Um, One of the things uh, we were talking about before we started recording was this idea that like This process going from like idea to filming Mm -hmm. to like releasing to not playing at festivals and then eventually making it like a feature film could take Mm -hmm. like years. Um, And I think like as creators, we think that like things should happen like fast. And when they don't happen fast, we feel like we're not doing something right. What is like your relationship with time?
1: Oh, man, that's such a good question. That's crazy. Um, Complicated. (laughs) beyond being someone who definitely has a sense of time blindness where mm-hmm. like I I don't even like realize it's happening until so there's a deadline but I think it's so interesting cuz yeah when I was like 14 15 reading Robert Rodriguez's book about filmmaking was like I'm going to be a filmmaker and then making things with my friends uh, as a team I was like I'm going to have my first feature done when I'm like 19 20 mm. and I had all the tools like this is when YouTube was coming up like digital video editing was 100% a thing like it was like yeah there's no barriers like let's just go do it let's just go do it let's just go do it and I had friends who did do that around that age. And it's interesting, like, especially early on, you go, oh, the industry doesn't make for these 50 reasons, so I'm going to, like, buck all of these trends and be a full revolutionary. And then over time, it's like a combination of realizing why things are that way. Yeah. But then also still trying to push back. And I think, like, I've definitely got more patient over the years because I thought, like, again, like 19, 20, 21, like, that's when I have to have my features done. Yeah. And I think I never felt older than when I was, like, 22. mm and then I never felt younger than when I was like 29, 30. Yeah. And you realize there, it, I don't want to say there is more time because I feel like you should be pushing, but like, yeah, realizing that it, it, things do just take time to get to the quality level that you want them to be. Yeah. And I think like something early on that my co-founder of my production company and I realized was like. You know, the traditional path is is medicine and he, he actually got into med school and then turned it down to start the production company with me, wow. which is crazy. And I just thought he failed his exams. <laughs> I was like, he failed the MCAT. I'm not going to bring it up. It's right. fine. And then I found out later that like, no, he got in and turned it down. Uh, I was like, oh, he's really serious. Um, and one thing we realized was like, if you decide to go into med school, people give you a bit of time before you're a doctor. You're not like six months in and they're like, you haven't done surgeries. Yeah. You're like nine, you're 20. You haven't done a surgery yet. It's like, no, you get like six, seven years. Right. You have to like put your head down. People give you that time, but also the student themselves gives themselves time. We're like, you also aren't putting that expectation of yourself. Yeah. You're like, for seven, eight years, I'm going to be heads down. It's going to take this long. I'm going to go to that city. I'm going to really do like my reps. And so we're like, if we can try to have that med school mentality yep. and give ourselves that that permission and and also like in a way help the people around us give, give us that patience as well, um, then let's see what it can look like on the other side of that. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's been, it's a weird slow down, speed up. Two of my themes for this year, one is slow down and one is speed up. Mm. And it's trying to find the balance between those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. And sometimes I think that like, for me, right. I'm just, I'm literally just now getting to a place where I feel like, okay, like, I think I'm content. Like I think I'm like good with like where I'm at. Not necessarily like I'm content enough that like I can actively pursue things and know that like, oh, okay, like it's going to take me five years. That's cool. Like this is like, it's bearable. Um, and, And before, like I felt like I was at a point where it's like, With the current job I have, with trying to do this stuff on the side, there's no way I could do exactly what I'm doing now for another three years. It just like, my life sucks too much. And so I can't tell if like, I was just in like a crappier situation and now I'm in, I literally like make more money so I can do this on the side. Or if like, hey, my perspective is just saying. So it's like, you know, I understand it's going to take six years, whatever, let's do it. It's probably a
1: combo of both, I think. Yeah. Yeah, It is funny. Cause I think, and I don't know if you have the same thing as me, but like, I'm constantly yeah, worried about like, oh, am I making enough? Is it going to be consistent enough and all of that? Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's actually like a different form of worry than what I had before, which is like, if if you had shown me my maybe exact income at this age ten years ago, I would have been like, "Oh no, what went wrong?" <laughs> but at the same time, if you told me, "Hey, you're gonna get to your thirties and you will have been able to like pay your rent and food and yeah. be married and you're gonna be living in LA," right? Then it's like, "Oh, that sounds amazing! Like, right. how did you pull that off?" Right right. right, right. And so it's just the some of the details kind of are different than what you think maybe. Yeah. Um. But I think like, yeah, as you mature, as the as the goal matures as well. And you realize like so much of it is about the longevity of being able to stay in the game. And I think now we've been around for enough time where we've seen people burn bright and burn out. Yep. And I think I was telling you earlier, like I've loved podcasts since like 2004 before iTunes had them. Yeah. And then iTunes launched and I was like, Oh no, there's 5,000 podcasts. There's no room. Right. Right. And of course that's not true. And then, but then when Spotify, I was like, Oh my God, now there's a million. It's crazy. And of course the truth is like, you know, you start when you start and, and you find your audience, but like, Even if you go back to that time, the big podcasts of the day back in 2005, how many are still around? Yeah. I I can't, I mean, I can think of maybe this week in tech, right? And even that's like not the biggest show in the world. Right. And same thing with like YouTube, same thing with TikTok, same thing with Musical.ly, like the people who are giant stars at the beginning. And that's not to say everybody burns up, but it's a thing of like, if you want to be in it
0: long term, like what does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, How do you balance sort of like, I think the work you're doing requires not only like a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of money. And it's like at any moment, anything can change. Add that onto the fact that it's like, hey, like you have a family and someone to provide for. How do you balance that?
1: Yeah, it's I would say like the family side is is more encouraging in the sense that like oh my god there's you're married to someone and you got to like make a life in like you have to yeah. you know get serious about it and I'm in a fortunate situation where you know we're like a double income situation rather than like yep. oh everything's on me right so that that is nice and and uh, you know I'm I'm sure you feel the same way there's 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 a certain amount of like oh, I have to become or continue being the person that's worthy of being with this person. Yeah. So I got to keep pushing because they married a bunch of potential. Right, right, right. <laughs> and they made a big deposit in the patient's bank right. and I'm spending, you right. know, I'm spending that patience bank and that's fine. But like, <laughs> where's the ROI, right? So that right. in some ways is encouraging. And I think in, in a lot of ways, also like the money requirements, as scary as it can be, they do, I'm, I'm someone who like, uh, again, I, I haven't been diagnosed for ADHD, but I've, I've got every symptom I've ever read about, which I think is true for a lot of people. But for me, like having some of those responsibilities and pressures actually kind of helps to prioritize. Yep, And it's weird to say like money helps prioritize, but to a certain extent it does. And it does get in the way because sometimes you have to go slower to take a client job. And like, yeah. oh, I want to just 100% do my own thing. But- it is, it, it, yeah, the, the more responsibilities has been, the more it's been easier to say no to certain things and be able to be like, well, there's literally a price tag. And it's not even me with my low confidence pricing myself higher. It's just like, life is more expensive. So yeah. I, I can't do this and I have to do that. And if I'm going to do my own thing and make my film, you know, get off the ground, I have done the years of putting a lot of time into other people's projects mm. and for no money. And yeah. being like oh, I literally can't afford to. So if I'm going to be burning that time on someone's project it's gotta be, yeah. My projects have got to be in there kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think Francis Coppola had said something a long time ago around, like, I think he had his first kid around when he made the Godfather Mm. and he was saying, he was speaking to a bunch of students and he's like, you know, you think that you got to wait to have these like life milestones, you know, get started and then you can have those life milestones. But he's like, nothing will make you focus more or work harder than having a baby that you got to feed. Right. Right. And I haven't done the baby part yet because I'm like, I agree in principle, but still let's, you know, um, but I think it is true. (laughs) It is true to a large extent of like, well, you gotta get focused in and that's how you turn into your dad
0: yeah yeah exactly um, you know one of the things like I don't know if this is true or not but one of the things I heard is when people are filming films that sometimes they create or uh, establish these partnerships that allow them to put like placements in movie um, and I think you tell me if this is right or not mm-hmm. but if you were filming a podcast or you know drinking a water that you could have X Tribe or this podcast studio yeah. pay you to have this be somewhat organically included in the film is that like a thing.
1: Yeah, product placement's definitely a thing in in like bigger studio films. You don't see it as much in like independent films. I've been fascinated by this from like the early days and I think like I, it's definitely something I want to pursue because I think the way it works with the studios is like there are like preset companies, preset ad agencies and things that handle all of that. Um, but I love looking at what's happening at the giant scale and like, how can we scale that down to what we're doing? Yeah. And so I think there's definitely opportunities around that. Of course you're like, you know, then it becomes about negotiating rates. What does happen a lot, uh, a lot, a lot is being able to get like in-kind donations in exchange mm. for things like exposure and, and product placement and stuff. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, like, like the studio we're in right now to rent this out for a film shoot might be a lot of money, but they might be willing to give a big discount or for free if you are featuring them and yeah. then it's like, okay, you and locations are a big line item. So yeah. even if no money is changing hands, that is a big, you know, savings or big sponsorship. So yeah. yeah, it's definitely a thing. I have a film that I just wrote that a large portion of it takes place like kind of in the outdoors. It's these two brothers on this, like, um, you know, out in the woods and like, I've definitely thought about, Oh, does maybe REI maybe go for yeah. REI sponsorship or are there like outdoors brands yep. that, you know, they can show up with and use. And then, I think something a lot of independent filmmakers don't think about, but what I'd love to start thinking about is like getting in with them early enough that is there any extra content we can shoot on set that might mm. help them? Cause that kind of thing then they can use on their socials or their like, yeah. and then sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I did this film called monster trucks, which no one has heard of, but it was this giant, like hundred million dollar paramount
0: movie. Wow.
1: That I was a visual effects coordinator on. It was like a year of my life up to 90 hour weeks. We were Jeez. on this film, but like it hit so many delays like one of the sponsorships was Windows Phone. And like the longer the film got delayed, Windows Phone stopped existing. But contractually, we still... <laughs> had this shot. So like at one point, we had like the Windows Phone UI in there, but then like the film hit another <laughs> delay and the Windows Phone itself got canceled, but the wow. shot's still there. But then we have no one to contact to get the UI element. So I think we ended up making up a new UI, but it still had to, like, hit that Nokia contract. But then Nokia was shutting down. So it was, like, a whole thing. Yeah. So there's a lot of those pieces. And so, um, yeah, I'd be really fascinated pursuing it. And I don't think anyone's done it in a huge way on independent film that much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) It becomes – it's, like, a whole other element to – what you're doing when you start partnering with different like brands and entities but like part of why i was interested in yeah. that is because i think that like as creators we're constantly trying to think about like how to make money mm-hmm. and i think like with what's happening with the current economy it's like the more i think creative you can be with sort of like hey like how can we like collaborate and like yeah. you being like forthcoming with like providing the ideas i think for a lot of creators that could help them make money right if you're not just reaching out to brand X and saying like, Hey, how can we collaborate? Or can you sponsor me? But you're emailing them with like 10 baked out ideas about like what that could look like. I think that could give people an advantage.
1: Yeah. That's actually, that's a really good way to put it. And I think that's been a thing for me too, is like, I'll have ideas, but then not, like you said, like kind of bake those ideas and and get it further along to pitch it because otherwise you just go like, that would be cool. And then what's the next step? Exactly. Um, And something, I don't know if this is really common. It definitely was for me a big thing of like, as I've grown older, like finding the value in partnerships more and more. And now more partners do exist because more people are in this world. But like, I think early on, and even sometimes now it's like, there's like that that image of like the solo creator, right? With like the MacBook on their back and they're just doing 100% of everything on their own. uh, Or at least that's the story they're telling. right? Um, And I think more and more I've started to see the value in like, it's, you know, I think earlier I was like, well, but I can do this and I can do that and I can't yeah. do that. And now it's like it's okay, even even from an ego perspective, just accept that fine, maybe you have those skills. Right. But you don't have all those hours. Right. And being right. able to partner up and find those people and, you know, like um for a feature that I'm working on, I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to do merch that's like, oh, mm. this I so in one of them the main characters and an illustrator. So I was like, oh, can we make like stickers and stuff that are like based on his illustrations? And that might be something where it'd be really fun to find, like, a person with an Etsy store that's already on TikTok to maybe yeah. build those, right? And then then it's about finding a partnership with someone who's, like, able to manage that relationship. Right. And so even though that's not a traditional job in indie film, who's that, like, <laughs> I'm going to hate myself for saying these words, but, like, the brand synergy person yeah, yeah, on yeah. your independent film team, right? right? And it's, like, a weird way to think about it. But I think, again, from that audience perspective, as someone who watches movies, like... I think movie people think that movies are all that exists in the world. Yeah. And they don't realize that, like, no, people are playing video games and watching TikTok, they're doing whatever. And I think, like, as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, I want to support independent films, but, like, where are they playing? Are they at the yeah. right times? What can I do? And sometimes it's like, no, I do just want it to be on streaming, but I would support you if there was, like, a thing to buy that's right. maybe not just a T-shirt. right? Um, and so trying to find those, like you start
0: to become a product person as well. So it's like
1: all these things and you're like, okay, where's the balance between like focus and being smart and you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. That's spot on. And I think Mm -hmm. like, I hope more creators start thinking about that because I do think that partnerships across the board, Mm -hmm. I think help you make more money faster, in my opinion, because it's like, say you did like a Patreon or something, the number of people it would take you to get like what probably one brand would pay you. Right. Same amount of effort to get both of them, but you know, you'd make a lot more. That's a really good way to put it because I've really been thinking about Patreon. I'm like,
1: not yet, not now, no. Yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it of like, if you could get a thousand patrons at $5 a month or yeah. $5 every couple months, it's like, well, if you get a $5,000 brand deal, right? Yeah, you just watch. did that, right? Yeah.
0: And that's going to take a lot more effort, I think, the yeah. 5,000.
1: Yeah. Because what I've tried to explain to folks, like people, who, like I'm really lucky to have people in my life who are like very supportive of me. And they're like, you, if you did this, like you'd make so much money. If you did Patreon, dude, yeah. that would take off. And I'm like, I appreciate that you would. And right. Exactly. There's maybe like 12 of you and <laughs> <in that> 120 <laughs> months. But like, it's hard to explain that, like, no, because then I need to be doing a lot more yeah. consistent content. Like, if I'm giving someone $10 a month, right, right. I, I do kind of expect like a lot of exclusive stuff or even yeah. like, you know, podcasts I like, at least they're doing like an exclusive episode every week or yep. something. Right. So if it's already a podcast, that's fine. But if I'm like, okay, now I got to be like documenting the journey. But for these 15 people, yeah. like, I do want to get there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to explain, especially to people who are like what I'd call super fans. And I'm yeah. not saying I have a thousand super fans, yeah. but those like 10, 15 people in my life. Who right. Like, I'd buy anything. I'd buy the tickets. I'd buy the whatever. It's like, right. I love it. Right. But that's not, yeah. <laughs> that's not where I'm at bo- with everybody. I need more of you. Yeah, exactly. And I hope yeah. to get there. And then sometimes just like, yeah, I, can, I guess I need to like sit down and make that plan for, for how to yeah. get there. I think like, a big thing for filmmakers or for people who maybe it's actually music is a similar. Different is like, once you have a big project that's out there, you can do a lot around that project. Yeah. So right now when my film is at festivals. I can do some content around festivals, but like really when the film comes out, like I shot a lot of behind the scenes on this one and I know it would do really well on TikTok. But I'm like, if I put it up now, there's nowhere for anyone to go. Exactly. So I'm like, I've just got this hard drive of really good footage. I got yeah. a documentary friend of mine to like come in and shoot for a day. Oh
0: man. Good
1: stuff on there. But I'm like, okay, you're going to follow me and then what? Yeah. We've got to have the film ready to like to watch and ready to yeah. ready to jump on. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Kashif, thanks for joining me. Where can people find you and how can they support you?
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, you know what, in the spirit of us meeting on TikTok, let's, uh, Let's have people find me on TikTok and, and maybe Instagram. So my name is at Kashifpasta, K-A-S-H-I-F-P-A-S-T-A. If you're listening to this, it's probably written somewhere in, yeah. in where you're listening to it. Uh, and yeah, follow me, message me. Let's be friends. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I'll definitely put it in the show notes and all the clips. Thanks for listening. It would mean the world to me, by the way. If you could leave me a review on Apple or Spotify, your feedback would so mean the world to me. Thanks for checking in. Peace.